we have been uh, journeying from Passover to Shavuot, uh, our 50-day journey. And, you know, our 50-day journey is uh, includes a lot of things. One aspect of our 50-day journey uh, is uh, reading, reading the scriptures from Genesis to 2 Kings. And I hope that you're keeping up with the reading and, and uh, also reading the, the small little devotional pieces that I send out, just uh, some words of encouragement along the way, some observations about the text and so on. Uh, but, you know, overall, I hope that this journey is a time of spiritual transformation for us, not just uh, not just a reading time or, you know, that kind of thing, but a time really of spiritual transformation where we're kind of focused on spiritual things. And perhaps during this particular 50-day period of time, uh, we have the opportunity, maybe we're spending more time at home, maybe we have a little bit more free time, we're not driving around, going here and there, that you're maybe reading, meditating on the things of God. And I hope that there is a, a transformative element to this 50-day journey. And that takes some of our own initiative and willingness to receive from the Lord. You know, and it kind of reminds me, speaking of a journey and transformation and relationship with God, in the eighth chapter of Deuteronomy, when the 40 years is just about all over, uh, Moses, so to speak, reminisces with the people, and he explains to them a little bit about their hardships and the difficulties. And this is what we read in uh, the eighth chapter uh, of uh, Deuteronomy, beginning in verse 1. All of the commandments that I am commanding you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land where the Lord swore to give to your forefathers. And you shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these forty years, that he might humble you, testing you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you be hungry, and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know that he might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out on you, nor did your foot swell these forty years. Thus you are to know in your heart that the Lord your God was disciplining you just as a man disciplines his son. So here what we're reading is, this was all out of love. God made the people trust him. Uh, they had to rely on God for their sustenance, for what they had. And perhaps during this 50-day period, 50 period of time, we ourselves also uh, are forced to rely on God in a certain way uh, for the immediate future uh, and for the uh, present. Uh, and in our studies uh, on Shabbat, we've been focused on the work of Yeshua and his death uh, in his resurrection and his ascension and the pouring out of the, the Ruach and what that means for us in our journey uh, in the wilderness. We've been focused on Messiah as king uh, and that there is a visible and there's an invisible world and Yeshua is king of all of it and that we dwell with him 
uh, he is seated at the right hand of God. We are seated with him. Uh, and the empowerment in that, uh, and the deliverance that we have uh, in that, and how we read that we are to set our mind on things above, not on things below, so that we understand that that is our real identity, that is our real citizenship, that is our real place of residence permanently. Uh, and our place down here is kind of temporal, you know? It's real, but temporal. Uh, and so therefore, uh, our life here should reflect our life there in the way we carry ourselves, in the things that we say, uh, in the things that we do, that it should reflect life over there. And that's why we call it uh, the uh, living out the presence of the future or Israel's future uh, uh, today. Uh, we are living out really what it means to live in the presence of God in the future in this life today. And it's a progressive kind of thing. We grow in it. Uh, God teaches us all throughout our lives. Uh, and hopefully we continue to grow just like Israel in the wilderness. Uh, that he was training them, discipling them as a father would a son. So that they might be prepared for the blessings of dwelling in the land. And so when Yeshua... Uh, rose from the dead, uh, he was truly a restored humanity. Humanity uh, the way God intended for humanity to be. And when he ascended to the right hand of God, the right hand of the Father, he ascended in his humanity, full humanity. And through the Ruach, through our dynamic, organic relationship with him in the Ruach, we begin to live out this uh, full uh, humanity. Uh, and so then, so the question is, how do we do that? What does it mean uh, to uh, realize uh, what our full humanity uh, is? Well, first, I would suggest uh, that in our humanity, uh, it's important to realize that we are accepted in him, that because he, uh, Yeshua, rose from the dead in, in humanity, he identified with us in his life in humanity that he loves us in our humanity uh, uh, the way that we are. Uh, you know, uh, he loves us uh, in our weaknesses. Uh, he loves us not because of our looks, not because of our abilities, not because of our intelligence, not because of our degrees, and not because of our abilities not because uh, we have a lovely personality uh, or something like that. He loves us. He has accepted us uh, in our uh, humanity. Now, where we read about change, where we need to change our lives, has to do uh, with sin and with uh, negative traits that are not the way God made us to be. But in our own personhood, he has accepted us uh, the way that we are. Uh, for example, uh, we read in uh, Colossians, uh, in the uh, third uh, chapter, after we read about our identity with him seated at the right hand of the Father, we read, Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passions, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. 
For on account of these things, the wrath of God will come. He's saying those are the things that are not accepted. Those are the things in the flesh that, that need to be transformed because we are seated with him in heavenly places. Okay? Uh, and so he says, and in them you also once walked when you were living in them. This is what we've been delivered from, see? But now you also put them aside, anger, wrath, malice, slander, abusive speech from your mouth. And do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. Then if you move down to verse 12, those who have been chosen of God, this is what we're to put on. Be holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone. Just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. And beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And let the peace of Messiah rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, uh, and be thankful. Uh, and be uh, thankful. Okay. Uh, let the word of Messiah richly dwell within you, with all wisdom, teaching, admonishing one another, with psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your heart to God. And whatever you do in word and deed, do all in the name of the Lord Yeshua, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Uh, and so we could say that what we're supposed to put on, all those things, love, kindness, peace, gentleness, humility, that is living fully in our humanity. And in the resurrection of the Messiah and in the ascension of the Messiah, as we are connected to his uh, resurrection and connected to his ascension, we begin to live out that full uh, humanity. So I thought that today we would talk about one aspect uh, of that uh, full humanity uh, that's very helpful, I think, in, uh, in the world uh, that we're living in. Uh, and in the way that uh, we uh, carry ourselves, um, that is the issue of humility. Humility. Uh, humility is a very interesting word. Uh, it means to, to be low, but in a variety of contexts. Uh, for us as Messiah followers, uh, it means really to defer to, uh, it means to uh, defer to one another. Let me read to you a definition uh, of, uh, of humility. Humility is the noble choice to forego your status, to deploy your resources, or use your influence for the good of others uh, before you, a willingness to hold power on behalf of others. In other words, humility is not a weakness. Uh, humility is not self-deprecation. Humility is not uh, a bad self-image. Uh, that is not what humility is at all. In fact, in order to truly be humble, we can't be thinking of ourselves. And if we just, if we reject ourselves, or you know, reject aspects of ourselves, we're very much into ourselves. But in order to truly be humble, we have to remember that we're accepted in the Lord, that He accepts us the way that we are. There's nowhere, for example, in the Brit Chadashah where uh, we read 
uh, God says, you belong to me now in your humanity. And so, uh, you know, you need to look different. You need to be different. You need to have a different personality. Uh, you need to change the color of your hair. Uh, you need to fit into a certain uh, uh, size clothing uh, or something like that. No, that's never the case. Uh, our true humanity is not so much the outer shell of what we look like, but it's what we really look like from the inside out, living in our true uh, humanity. Living in our true humanity is relationship building. Living in our true humanity is, uh, is edifying to others uh, and, uh, and serves others well. Where we're not living in our true humanity is all the negative traits that we have, our relationship-destroying traits and personal-destroying uh, traits. Those are the things uh, that we're called to put off uh, and put on. So we want to uh, think about uh, today uh, humility uh, and, uh, and how it's used in the Bible and what it means uh, uh, to us. You know, we read uh, uh, about humility in a number of places in the Bible, all the way through the Bible. We read about Moses, you know, in Numbers chapter 12 and verse 3. Now, the man Moses was a very humble, was, was very humble, more than any man who is on the face of the earth. When you think about Moses, I don't think about personal uh, sinful uh, weaknesses or that Moses uh, was uh, caring for uh, the children of Israel for 40 years because he was trying to prove something to himself or prove something to others. Uh, you know, it is not uh, sometimes uh, in our lives as Messiah followers, uh, we, uh, you know, we may uh, uh, try to gain abilities or do things in order to prove ourselves, maybe prove ourselves to ourselves or, or prove ourselves to others. No, God has accepted us uh, the way we are. We are accepted uh, in the beloved. And so humility means really having a real solid understanding of, our, of ourselves uh, and having a desire uh, to serve God. Uh, in Psalm 10 and verse 17, O oh Lord, you have heard the desire of the humble. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear. You have heard the desire of the humble. You'll strengthen their heart. Uh, uh, the humble will inherit the land uh, and will delight themselves in abundant prosperity. Uh, and we read in the New Covenant in 1 Peter 3.8, To sum it all up, all of you be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, humble in spirit. I therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time. You know, in the Brit Hadashah scriptures, we read that those who are last shall be first, the first shall be last. Uh, that uh, it is the one who's humble that will be exalted. Uh, and, uh, and how important that is. We also read about humility in the Proverbs. The fear of the Lord is, is the instruction for wisdom, and before honor comes humility. Before, dis before destruction of the heart of man uh, is haughty, but humility goes before honor. 
Uh, and then, of course, in Ephesians uh, chapter 4, we read uh, in uh, the first couple of verses, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, entreat you uh, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing forbearance to one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Okay? Uh, we read, uh, we just read in Colossians chapter 3 that humility is what we put on when our mind is set on the things above. Right? Uh, in the book of James, we read, Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. So there's many verses about being humble uh, and about uh, humility. The first thing, again, that we want to understand uh, about humility uh, is uh, that it is not uh, a self-hatred, self-deprecation. I don't like myself. That's not humble, right? That is not being humble. Uh, but Humility is when we know we've been accepted in God and we can defer to others, deference to others, serving others. The key New Covenant passage, of course, on this is in Philippians uh, uh, chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. And uh, you may be uh, familiar with it a bit, uh, uh, and we'll just hit the highlights on it. All right, if therefore there is any encouragement in Messiah, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Okay? So he talks a lot in Philippians about unity. He talks a lot. He mentions in several places, we don't have time to do a study of Philippians here, but he mentions in several places about people not getting along, uh, but how we need to get along, you know, uh, uh, and, and be unified uh, because difficult times are ahead. And if we're going to be able to face them, we need each other. That is part of what Philippians uh, is about. So he is saying, uh, you know, be of one purpose, have the same mind, maintain the same love. It's a differentiated mind. Of course, we can have our own opinions but we respect one another. And when it comes to goals and vision, uh, we share the same goals. We, we share the same vision. We may have different personalities. Uh, we may have different abilities. Uh, we, uh, some are strong in some things. Some are uh, strong in others. Uh, that's okay. God accepts us the way we are. But we're called to have certain kinds of traits that demonstrate our full humanity in the Messiah and a key is, indeed, humility. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. But with humility of mind, let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. And do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Again, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. But with humility of mind, let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. 
In other words, it's not about me. That's kind of what that's saying. Uh, that I should not uh, engage in my decision-making, forming my opinions, how I view people, uh, my service toward people, because uh, of selfish needs or concerns, or because it'll make me look good, or because people will like me then. That is not being humble. See? Humility is when truly... We have the Lord as uh, number one. We have others in our minds as well. And then certainly, uh, you know, self-care. And I know that some people like to use the acronym JOY, right? We would say YOY, <laughs> Yeshua, others uh, and, my, and myself, right? Uh, and that is where real personal satisfaction comes from because we're really living out the humanity that God created us to be. To be fully human means to be focused certainly on God, therefore on others. And so uh, not to be selfish uh, at all, but with humility, regard one another as more important than ourselves. And interestingly, it says humility of mind. you got to start with the way you think of others. That really think of others as more important than yourself, not simply, well, I guess I better do something for somebody because they're supposed to be more important than me. No, we got to cultivate a real attitude of that, real concern for others. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of when Yeshua wept over Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you know, you've stoned the prophets and torn down the altars. How much I've wanted to gather you together the way a hen gathers her chicks, but you were unwilling. It's a lament. It's He cared deeply for them, you see. And then we read another passage, of course, where uh, Yeshua weeps over Jerusalem. And then he says here, Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Look out for the interests of others. You know, it reminds me, doesn't it remind you of Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 18? Love your neighbor as yourself. You know, do not just love yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, and uh, Yeshua said that was the second greatest commandment. It's about humility. It's about service. It's about care. Uh, that's what it means, really, to be holy. And, of course, what does Paul do here? He uses Yeshua as the ultimate example of this kind of life. And, you know, it's interesting that Yeshua ascended, but first he descended, as we read in John 3.13. The one who ascended first descended, uh, and he became like us. Uh, and we read here that we should have this attitude in ourselves, which was also in Messiah Yeshua, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped or to be held on to. Uh, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself uh, by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the tree, even death on the cross. That's what it means that he emptied himself. It does not mean that he emptied himself of his, uh, of his uh, uh, God qualities, uh, not at all. But he emptied himself, meaning that he poured himself out to death. He became like one of us, but not just like one of us. He could have been a king. He could have been. He could have just manifested himself as the king of Israel, but he didn't. 
He became like one of us and he suffered, but he did it uh, for you and I. Uh, nothing out of selfishness or empty conceit. Uh, he didn't take his position and lord it over us. No, he became like one of us. Uh, uh, and he suffered to the point of death, even death on the tree. You know, back in Isaiah chapter 53, uh, we read about it. Of course, uh, we read at the beginning that uh, he had no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised and we did not esteem him. And so here he emptied himself on our behalf for us. It says, surely he, our griefs he himself bore, our sorrows he carried, yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging we are healed. All of, us, all of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. Then if you go down to verse 12, because of all of that, therefore I will allot him a portion with the great. He will divide the booty with the strong because he poured out himself to death. He emptied himself and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he himself bore the sins of many and interceded for the transgressors. And so Paul is saying, be like Messiah Yeshua, who descended before he ascended. And so uh, uh, if we're to live out our full humanity, we need to live it out in, indeed, humility, in being concerned for others and not merely for ourselves. Then we read uh, that, uh, therefore, therefore, as a result of pouring himself out to death, also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Yeshua every knee should bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, that every tongue should confess that Yeshua the Messiah is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It's important to understand there that it's that, that does not mean that he earned the name Lord or that uh, he wasn't Lord before. But no, he takes his place as Lord. Uh, just like when he was immersed and the heavens opened up and a dove came upon him. And, you know, when you hear the voice of heaven, behold, thou art my son, today I have begotten thee. It did not mean that, that, he, that he, became, he became uh the incarnation of God at his immersion. No, he, all, he was uh, from the womb, uh, but he, it was basically acknowledged upon him at a particular point. His ministry began, and we could say his ministry of sitting on the throne uh, began as a result of his selfless death uh, and resurrection. Uh, for us. And so Yeshua is really the model of living out humanity. Uh, he is truly uh, a full humanity. Uh, and you know, it's interesting. It says in Hebrews chapter 2, 
In verse 14, Since then the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and might deliver those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. So he became like us. He shared in flesh and blood, partook of the same, so that through death he might render powerless the enemy, the flesh, the devil, all of it. That's what we've been delivered from. And we were delivered because he became like one of us, sharing in our flesh and blood. uh, And therefore, in his resurrection, we're identified in his humanity. And so even though we live here, we live there. And, And really, our empowerment via the Ruach is our organic relationship with him where we can really now live out full humanity and may we be able to do so uh, in uh, humility. Now the passage goes on here in verse 12. It says, so then, my beloved. In other words, now, you know, he's explained, live a life of humility. And he says, live a life of humility like Yeshua. Because uh, if you live a life like Yeshua, you'll see that when you humble yourself, God will exalt you. God will exalt you. don't need to exalt yourself. That is a false humility. Uh, God will exalt you. Again, remember, if we're really going to be humble, we, we know we're accepted. We don't have to earn it from people. We do not have to show off. We do not have to display all of our talents in order to be accepted by God or one another. Uh, We all play a role in uh, God's uh, calling uh, as a community of Messiah followers, whether we're talking about ourselves individually or as a a community. Uh, And so therefore, I would say we can relax uh, in him and live out, therefore, this, this calling of being concerned, of deferring to the needs of others. That, my friends, is a very important part of what it means to really be a human being. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with with fear and trembling. In other words, knowing that we're standing before God you know, at, at all times, And work out this deliverance, this deliverance from having to measure up, this deliverance from the power of uh, death, this deliverance uh, from attitudes and actions uh, where we think maybe we're building ourselves up, uh, where by tearing down other people uh, or just negative uh, uh, thoughts and actions uh, that are detrimental to other people and to our Selves. Work out that deliverance because you know you're, you're standing before God. For then he says, For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. It is God who is at work. It's not just us. It is not just us trying to measure up. Okay? I I want you to know that the lawn is well taken care of at Beth Messiah Congregation, if you could hear that. But anyway, it is God who is at work in you, 
both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Know that God is at work in you. God is at work in you, in your humility, in your service to others. And even, you know, if we're sitting here today thinking, you know, I, I don't know if I'm really that humble. I don't know if I really am that unselfish. Remember, you're accepted in him. You're accepted in the beloved. And he is at work in your life. Remember what we read in Deuteronomy chapter 8? God is disciplining you. And perhaps through certain things happening in your life right now, God is making you, shall we say, more human. And and, uh, hopefully reminding you uh, that serving others is what it means to be fully human. There's lots of traits, but humility is a huge one. And we see it here in Philippians uh, uh, chapter 2. And so I would suggest it's something, it's like a spiritual discipline for us to really work on is serving others. You know, and we can do that. You can do that by making a phone call. You can do that by texting someone. You can do that by doing some grocery shopping for someone. You can do that by praying for people. And the more we pour ourselves into other people's lives, it has a beneficial effect on us. I'm teaching a class on the bliss of blessing. And we've been talking a little bit about the difference between the word Barak and Ashrei. You know, Barak is the word, the basic word that we read about for bless, uh, to share covenantal benefits with others. Uh, but Ashrei is sort of on the receiving end, the blessedness of blessing others. It's sort of like the Ashrei is the boomerang effect of, of the nachas, we'd say in Yiddish, frankly, the good feeling we, we get, the feeling of satisfaction, joy, whatever we want to call it, uh, of blessing others. Uh, Yeshua got great joy, ultimately, out of his selflessness. And even though it was painful for him, and even though it hurt, at the end of the day, it brought nachas uh, to him, joy to see us come to know him uh, and to trust him. Now, not only does it say it is God who is at work in you, but it, then it says both to will and to work for his good pleasure. We are part of what he's doing. It's not about us. You see, if we, if we continue to think that my relationship with God is about me, that is like a whole selfish attitude in and of itself. How can we really be selfless if we think it's about me? It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about you uh, becoming transformed, becoming really fully human. And by that, I mean the way God made us to be, the way he wanted us to be. We're new creatures in Messiah Yeshua. And a big part of that, again, is selflessness, is humility, is serving others. So when we realize I'm part of what God is doing, and not not just he's part of what I'm doing, which it's not, I'm part of what he's doing, we will joyfully serve others. And it makes for a strong community. And it makes for a community that is solid. Uh, It makes for a community that makes a difference in the world. It makes for a a spiritual community where people see it and say, wow, I want to be part, um, I want to be part of, of that. When we live that kind of life, we're sowing seed on, on soil where it takes. You know, in Matthew chapter 13, 
we read about the mystery of the kingdom, meaning that uh, there are different kinds of soils, with one part of its meaning anyway, there's different kinds of soils, and when we share the, wor the word, sometimes it takes, sometimes it doesn't. But may I suggest that by us being selfless, by us practicing humility, by being this fully orbed uh, uh, humanity, uh, we are cultivating good soil so that when we sow the seed, it takes, you know? Uh, and so uh, that gets me pretty excited. And then he says, do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may prove yourself to be blameless and innocent children of God above reproach in the midst of a, a crooked and perverse generation among you appear as lights in the world. Throughout all of this, he's using terminology that's in the Tanakh to describe the children of Israel in, in the wilderness. A crooked and perverse generation. You know, we read that in Deuteronomy chapter 32. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. We read this word grumbling. Whenever Paul talks about, uh, you know, the wilderness wanderings and the things happened to them for our benefit, he talks about grumbling. You read about people grumbling in the wilderness. Uh, and so he's saying, don't be like that generation in the wilderness, you know, do all things without grumbling or disputing. Because when we grumble, when we grumble, when we dispute, when we have a bad attitude, when it's about me, that's when we want to go back to Egypt. When it's about me, we're not really trusting God to get us to the finish line. When it's about me, I need instant gratification. I need it right now. Uh, I need the sizzle and not the steak. But uh, may I suggest God has called us to eat steak. And so, my friends, I, I, if we are going to really live out that full humanity, and by the way, living out that full humanity means that we receive joy and satisfaction, and it means that we can stay above the fray. Because when we enter into rocky roads or uncertain times, or we receive negative information or bad news, we remember, wait, it's not about me. And we're, our hearts have been cultivated to, to have a heart of humility. Uh, and that's how our needs get met one to the other. When we're all in a, in a spiritual community being deferential to one another, our needs are getting met. Read all of those one another's. You know, when, when I have something bad happen in my life, if I enter a period where I really need help, then someone else who is a humble uh, it defers to me and helps me. When, when, that, when I sense a need, I defer to others. And so all of our needs get met. That's what it means to be fully uh, human, uh, to serve, uh, to be uh, like the uh, Messiah. And so uh, I hope uh, that uh, we might keep our minds, think, set our minds on things above. Remember that we're seated in heavenly places. In Messiah Yeshua. So by being seated there, being identified with him, we, we are entering this transformative stage of full humanness. Uh, and may uh, we truly uh, practice that humility. That's how we get through times like this, by serving others. Uh, we really do get a sense of joy, spiritual nachas, a good sense of, of feeling of serving others, of walking in the will of God. Uh, and, and I pray uh, that that might um, be something that uh, we enter into and be the way we live. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for uh, 
uh, this word uh, about humility. Lord, I pray, God, that once again we might recognize that humility is a very powerful uh, uh, trait uh, for us to uh, have. Many times we look for honor, but we know that honor only comes through humility. It is the last who will be first. And Yeshua truly demonstrated that. And so, God, may we use the spiritual power uh, that we have in you, uh, Lord, uh, uh, by our own choice, by our own will, a, a desire to serve uh, a God. Uh, may we recognize uh, that humility is indeed a choice, that we forego per, uh, our status and deploy our resources and use our influence for the good of others before ourselves, a willingness to hold power on behalf of others. Uh, Lord, I pray, God, that we truly uh, would be strong enough in our own selves and our walk with you to really live a life of humility. We pray in Messiah's name. Amen.